This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. In San Diego, a mayor's race looks a lot like NIMBYs versus YIMBYs. Why are issues of land use planning front and center? Cato's Mike Tanner, director of Cato's Project on Poverty and Inequality in California, says we ought to expect more of precisely these kinds of fights in the future. We spoke Monday. How common is it for a mayor's race to have such a massive component of the race is about zoning and density and new home construction? Well, this is becoming an increasing issue throughout California. We're seeing it in mayor's races. We're seeing it in state rep and Senate races. And we're seeing it in county supervisor races. I mean, the fact is that California has an enormous housing problem. It is about three and a half million units, at least short of what's needed in order to meet demand. It is some of the highest housing cost areas in the nation. Uh, it is an area that has a huge homeless problem. So the result of that is we are constantly seeing fights over how to build more housing and where to build more housing in the state. Okay, so in San Diego, this is front and center. Uh, The two Democrats running for mayor, based on the weird primary system that uh, they have in California, where the top two vote-getters take take to the ballot uh, for the November election day. Uh, What have these, what's been the, what has been the fight uh, with respect to housing in San Diego? Well, it's largely built around zoning laws right now, and that is that a large portion of the city is zoned only for single-family occupancy, particularly the wealthier, whiter areas of the city are zoned in that way. And one of the candidates, Todd Gloria, wants to remove those restrictions on zoning and will also height requirements in order to be able to build more multifamily units in some of these neighborhoods. What is the background here on San Diego that is instructive for the rest of California, for the rest of the country when it comes to zoning and, uh, you know, the price of housing and the availability of housing and uh, how many different kinds of people can own homes and live in different neighborhoods? Well, we can simply start with the fact that there is a supply versus demand problem in, in California and in San Diego in particular. In San Diego, they're short between 60 and 140,000 housing units, depending on which uh, estimate you want to take. Uh, and that is leading to enormous costs. The, sta- the city is the ninth most expensive housing uh, market in the country. Uh, it costs about $2,300 for a two-bedroom apartment on average. Uh, it is also a highly segregated city. And that's not an accident. Actually, if you go back to zoning maps uh, from decades ago, Uh, and overlay them with demographics in the city, you see that there's been almost no change in the demographics, that essentially poor people and people of color are not moving into white areas. And that's largely what these uh, restrictive zoning regulations were designed to do. Do we see something different in, in cities outside California or other cities in California? Well, we know that this actually happens in highly zoned and highly regulated housing markets uh, around the country. So we see San Francisco uh, operating much the same way. We see large portions of LA operating in the same way, but also outside of California in New York, uh, places like that. We're seeing changes being made to some cities. However, we're seeing that places like uh, Seattle, uh, Minneapolis are doing away with this single family only zoning. Now, should be clear on this. 
they're not saying you can't have a single family house. I, I think Tucker Carlson uh, has propagated that myth. What they're saying is that even in an area that is mostly single family homes, you could still build multifamily units uh, in, a, in order to encourage lower rents and lower costs and other more diverse populations to move into your area. Okay. So what do you expect to come out of this? Uh, a whole lot of this, it doesn't really matter what the mayor of San Diego says. Well, a lot of it has to do with how the city, the county supervisors, the city council and the mayor zone the, within their own district. So, I mean, there there is a fight at the state level. We saw SB 50 by Scott Weiner go down to defeat, despite the fact that it was pretty weak tea uh, when it came to changing these zoning uh, zoning ordinances. But we can see changes made within a city. And uh, we are seeing a, a clear uh, division right here where one of the candidates, uh, Barbara Bay, has taken the position that we should not change zoning laws, at least not dramatically, has talked about preserving the character uh, of neighborhoods. And uh, Todd Gloria uh, is backed largely by Yimby, yes, in my backyard uh, folks, and has talked a lot about making changes to the zoning laws in the state. We're going to really see uh, whether this plays in a community like San Diego. Well, when I say that it doesn't, necessarily matter that much uh what the mayor of san diego says a whole lot of this is driven by the state right that is the expense of building houses the uh and other difficulties associated with permitting and that sort of thing well that certainly adds a great deal to the cost of housing the cost per door is is enormously expensive in california a lot of that has to do with environmental regulations and other types of regulations. It also has to do with the fact that you have secondary review in many cities in which even after you meet all the approval process, you still have to go through a procedure in which local communities can block construction. But zoning adds tremendously to the cost of housing. In fact, there's studies by Ed Glazer at Harvard and others that suggest that in some cities at least, uh, including some in California, uh, zoning can add as much as 50% to the cost of rent uh, in, that, in that city. So uh, we certainly should be taking a look at how this does. And finally, we should recognize that from a libertarian perspective, at least, this is a fundamental violation of your property rights. If you own property, you should be able to build multifamily units on it because it, after all, is your property, not uh, not your neighbor's. Um, Richard Rothstein wrote a book called The Color of Law that is just recently popped back up on the bestseller list. Uh, people can dig through the Cato Daily Podcast archives to find a link to that or I'll include a link in the, the show notes here. Um, but what he lays out is that a whole lot of the problems that we're experiencing with uh, segregation of neighborhoods uh, in American cities is that groundwork was laid decades ago uh, by, you know, wealthier, predominantly white interests that wanted to, quote unquote, preserve the character of their neighborhoods. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It, it's no uh, surprise that the um, uh, people of color and low income people are being segregated into certain areas of the city while largely white communities uh, are in other areas of the city. And this has lots of consequences. It has consequences for where jobs are located. It has environmental consequences. It has consequences for education. If you you know, we sort of segregate by zip code when it comes to whether your child goes to a good school or not. It has to do with the amount of crime in your area and how it's policed. Uh, housing is a, is a key linchpin, in essence, the diversity in housing to changing a lot of the problems that our society faces. 
Mike Tanner is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.